This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's good, everybody? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. I'm your host, Andrew Hustler-Patterson, along with the CTO himself, Michael Remus, back at the WST Command Center. Great to be with you this afternoon. Um, I know yesterday was a bit of a downer uh, here on the program, talking about Monday night's game, but you know what the great thing about sports is? You get another crack at, uh, and in this season, you get another crack at the team that lit you up. Just a couple days later, and that day is tonight. Jets and Oilers getting back at it. We'll be all over the Winnipeg Jets and the Oilers. The North Division can't wait to welcome in NHL.com's Tim Campbell to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily coming up in about 10 minutes or so. We'll also get ready and talk a little NFL draft and a big trade. We won't do too much on it right now, but just breaking the last five minutes, Teddy Bridgewater is on his way from Carolina to the Denver Broncos for what I believe is a sixth-round pick. Interesting trade. We'll touch on that a little bit, as well as tomorrow's first round with Reed Fowler of DraftKings coming up in the first hour of the program. And because he set such a big record and has meant so much to hockey fans in Winnipeg, what a great opportunity to welcome in Eric Comrie, who's actually now, I believe, officially a member of the Winnipeg Jets on the taxi squad. Um, But he did on the weekend become the Manitoba Moose all-time wins leader. He's also a fantasy football nut and just a hell of a good dude to talk to. So Eric Comrie coming up right around 2 o'clock if you're watching with us live here on YouTube. Um, Welcome to everyone that's already with us here in the chat. Uh, Hit that like button uh, if you wouldn't mind. And uh, if you're popping in and you haven't already subscribed, hit that subscribe button. Got a lot of new subs yesterday. It was great to see the feedback from uh, a great week so far. Let's get to it. Michael Remus back at the command center. What's going on, my friend? How are you? I'm fired up, Huss. Uh, I'm strangely ready for this game tonight. Um, you know, maybe, I know the lineup is the same for the Jets, no changes, but I think we're going to have a different result. Now, maybe McDavid will still get his points. That seems unavoidable with the way he's playing. He's going to score, but the Jets got a score on Mike Smith. One of these games, I know they were asking Maurice about, you know, his puck playing ability on Dumpins. Maybe they've uh, figured out where to put it or that they have to go, have to carry it in. Um, we will see. But I'm sick of watching Mike Smith um, rob the Jets. You know, <laughs> he, he has been. He is, he, listen, I don't know if he's in the Jets' heads. He's in Jets' fans' heads right now. I had quite a few conversations about Mike Smith yesterday that went something along the lines of, the guy was almost out of the league last year. He's 39 years old. What the hell is going on this season? And, Matt, if you listen to Dusty and the guys in Edmonton, I mean, all of a sudden, it's gone from complete anger when the Oilers were basically resigned to signing Mike Smith because no one else was available to, oh, my God, how much are we going to have to pay this guy to come back next year at going into 40 years old? Um, But, man, he's had an unbelievable season, and he has been a huge difference maker against the Winnipeg Jets, although... Uh, I don't think we can really identify goaltending as the big factor in Monday's game. And as I said, we spent a lot of time talking about Monday's game. I think much like the Winnipeg Jets, we'll try and put them behind it. Um, Probably don't need to do another full breakdown of what happened on Monday night. Although it is interesting with basically the exact same lineup, Connor Hellebuck going back at it again. And I think the Winnipeg Jets in some ways are just trying to erase what happened, albeit 
had some probably uncomfortable video sessions yesterday um, and go out with the same lineup and now hope to have a much better result, which is going to start um, with playing much better as a five-man unit defensively before we even talk about getting anything past Mike Smith. Yeah, Andrew Kopp said it best the other day. They're going to strap their balls on and go back to work. So pretty much the same line. They're going to make sure they're strapped in, ready to go. And I think Wheeler <laughs> said today. <laughs> strap them on, boys. <laughs> Dig deep, strap on your balls and go to work. I mean, that's it's what, time. It's time. They're going to bring it, uh, bring it tonight. So Wheeler said, look, you give McDavid four breakaways, you're going to have a bad time. Uh, I think they've figured out, you know, don't. Don't turn the puck over to him and give him a breakaway where he has so much time he can like look behind to see how far away everyone is behind him and do like the craziest stick handles and uh, put a highlight reel one past Hellebuck. So uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll have a different result with the same lineup. I see a lot of people in chat saying, let's make some changes. Let's put in you know, some of these young guys. Where's Hanela, Sandberg? Or uh, you know, even people are – I've seen tweets – Asking for Sammy Niku to be in the lineup, but no, they're not changing anything up. They're gonna say, "Hey, that was that wasn't the real Jets. We're gonna come back and and have a better performance." And look, I thought they were gonna be, you know have a good showing last game after what was it the two game losing streak or no sorry, three game. <laughs> now it's a four game, right? Five against the Oilers. But uh, I'd like to think that they're gonna have a better showing. You would like to think that, Huss. Yeah, no, I mean, 100%. And to be perfectly honest with where the team is right now in the standings, I am less concerned with the result. I mean, if you told me the Jets played a hell of a game and went in and limited the other team's chances and, you know, whatever, didn't, you know, scored one less than than the Oilers, I think I'd feel better about that than, you know, if they, well, I mean, listen, if they win's a win, you you want your team to get out there and, and, and get a W. But again, we're talking about just this team turning around from where they've sunk to with the way that they've been playing. And Paul Maurice talked about it. I mean, this goes to the fundamentals, Um, you know, shorter shifts, attention to detail, just making the simple passes, winning a battle. I mean, all of those things need to be better tonight. And, you know, I think from, from the Winnipeg side of things, you certainly would hope it will be because uh, we know the team, you know, this team is flawed. I'm not going to say that they're not, but they're not flawed like we saw on Monday night. And um, I think this is going to be a bit of a gut check for this team. I think there'll be a real measure of pride in the locker room, um, but also a challenge to themselves to go out and do what they had done that got them to this point in the season. Um, although, as Paul Stastny mentioned, Remus, there had been some concerning signs over the last 10, 15 games, which have sort of really mushroomed in the past few games. And um, better fix it now because you're not going to have time to do it in two or three weeks if you don't get it done. Yeah, you know, we were talking yesterday how it's starting to remind us of 2019 when the team got off to that great start in the first half and then had a pretty rough second half. And I don't want to say coasted in the playoffs, but weren't playing their best hockey heading in and went up against a red-hot St. Louis Blues team. And we know what happened there. So I do think... Um, you know, you don't want to be, you know, trying to figure out your game and going through these kind of issues as you're heading into the playoffs. But as Stasny mentioned, they hadn't. Re- I mean, I had said like a month ago, everything is great for the Jets. No one's been injured. They're not changing the lines. They're looking great. I mean, I thought they were playing pretty well. So you know, you hit a couple injuries here. Lowry, I think that one's tough. Ehlers, even even tougher. Um, I thought Appleton, you know, looked great on the first line. He had, he had a ton of shots. Uh, he's you know putting his ass out at, what in the slot on the power play, 
uh, Wheeler's, you know, passing over to him from the from the boards. And maybe they can put a couple in in early. Um, you know, they gave up the first one the other day, and you know, went downhill from there. So. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, they scored a minute into the game against Toronto on Saturday night, and that uh, unfortunately didn't uh, didn't help. But you know, and, and Mitch said, and shout out to the Godfather there. Oh, a big Mike Howard and KC. What up, Mike? Great to have you here with us. Thanks to everyone that's joining us live here in the chat on YouTube. Hit that like button, please. Um, you know, honestly, I mean, Mitch had said, "Hey, there's no moral victories. It's all about the win." I mean, is the two to me the two points is I don't want to say it's secondary. But how how this team plays and how they react to what happened on Monday in this past week, um, to me, is the most important thing tonight. The result, listen, you definitely do want the result. But when the result really matters is in about two to three weeks when these teams probably begin the first of a best of seven. And, um, you know, whether it's individual performances tonight, I mean, guys stepping up, playing their role, doing what they need to do. I mean, attention to detail in the defensive zone, playing as a five-man unit, all of these things need to be better. Um, And again, like, yeah, you know, I think if you do those things, you give yourselves the best chance to get that final result. Um, But honestly, going into this first period tomorrow, I mean, I think there's going to be some things that people are looking for outside of just the scoreboard as to how this team is responding. And honestly, Ramos, this is the time for the Winnipeg Jets to respond. As you mentioned, you know, they've lived a pretty charmed life this year between the all-star goaltender, bailing them out when they've needed to, um, you know, with some opportunistic scoring, taking advantage of some off nights, whatever it is. I mean, they got the wins and they're in the spot. You are what your record says you are. Um, but again, if you look at what the record is over the past week and a half, it's ugly right now. And that is a pretty good description of the way they've been playing. And that, to me, a right off the opening puck drop is what I think I and many Jet fans are hoping to see a big turnaround from Monday night. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty sadly, Huss. I mean, if we, just, we just want to see an effort. I mean, that's pretty uh, low bar for this team that had been, you know... Well, it's not as much got- the effort, because I actually didn't mind the effort, especially in the first period, but... I thought that, I mean, I thought their reaction to coming to those couple goals late in the first period, you know, was atrocious. And there was absolutely no response in the second period to the point that, I mean, they got embarrassed on home ice. And, um, you know, hey, sometimes you, you you go through those things and it's not as much what happens. It's how you react to them. And this is a big opportunity for the Winnipeg Jets, I think, to maybe reinstill some of the uh, the faith from the fan base here and also in their final chance to, you know, go against Edmonton, uh, you know, an opportunity to, um, you know, remind them that this is not going to be a walkover in a best of seven series, assuming these two teams meet in a few weeks. Yeah. I see a lot of people in chat pointing out the Jets, a poor record at home this year, also poor record against the Oilers, uh, this year, especially, you know, losing five in a row, uh, what I think Oilers tonight are they uh, slight favorites, Huss, for this one? I'm you know what? Up- That's a good question. Uh, we'll do our full cool bet lines a little bit later on. But while you ask, Remus, let's uh, let's answer the question. And it is yeah, Edmonton minus one nineteen, Jets plus one oh one. So, 101. so we- Jets uh, just about even money as a home underdog. So home dog for the Jets. You know, they have been making people money as underdogs this year. <laughs> yeah. I think this is the time where you count them out. They come. I thought that was going to be last game. Maybe I was a game early with my predictions. The funny I mean, thing is the Jets were favored last game. The Jets actually were minus 111, and the, yeah. uh, the Oilers were, I think, minus 105. So it was very close to a pick em. Uh But Jets did have it. So uh, a, a turnaround, it seems like the bookmakers watched the game on Monday night, and 
that is reflected in uh, in the number. Um, so anyways, we're going to get into it all with Tim. Uh, of course, we've got to thank all of our great sponsors, Not Autocore, Boston Pizza, Winnipeg, Royal Sports, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Breezy Bend Golf and Country Club, Cool Bet Canada, and Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. Um, you know, before we get to Tim... Um, I, Remus, this is something interesting, and I, and I just noticed this in my email before we came on the air today. Um, got a little bit of uh, a, a Winnipeg Jets season seat holder update, an invoice update. And I, I won't read the entire piece, but, um, you know, the Jets continue to plan for their passionate fans to return to Bell NTS Place for the start of the 21-22 season. Uh, they are hoping to have it at near or full capacity but right now, they've determined that it's necessary to pause the distribution of the invoices right now. Now, if you do want to pay or get ahead of your payments, you can do that right now. Um, but essentially, there's a pause right now until I think there's a little bit more clarity as to how things will work. But one thing is interesting, Reem. Have you seen this new Jets seating map for Bell MTS Place? I No, I have not. I'll have to get um, – I know my dad is a season ticket holder. Or I could ask you just to forward me. The email, but uh, I haven't looked at it. What's the plan, Huss? So there's some new sections. They've uh, essentially tiered a number of the sections in the building um, to add new price points. Now, you know, the premium seating is still the the front two sections, 105, 106, 118, 119. And you've got the other premium seats the the uh, in the those first 15 rows, 117, 120, 107, and 104. Um, and then the center ice 200 sections, like 206, 205, 218, and 219 are together. And then they've got some other tiers in the lower bowl. What's interesting is the upper bowl, and, and I and I could be mistaken, but I believe this is the first time they've sort of done more sections within the upper bowl. So, for instance, I'm in the corner in section 316 in the first four rows. Um, it, there's not a huge difference. I'm just looking on a season ticket. It's basically a buck a game. So, I mean, if you're in row one to row four, it's 72 bucks. If it's five to eight, it's 71. If it's nine to 12, it's 70. Um, and they still do, of course, have the UB9 and 10, 53 and $51 prices. That's in the top six rows of the end zone seats, sections 13, uh, 315 to 311 and 326 to 330. Um, you know, I, I'll be honest, Reem, I, I got excited just looking at this email today um, because it got me thinking about getting back in the arena with fans and watching games. Of course, it also came with a note saying that they were pausing sending out the invoices. So I don't know where we can take it from there, but uh, at least there is somewhat of a light at the end of the tunnel. And uh, I'll tell you what, regardless of what section people have their seats in or how many of us will be allowed into the building when it finally is open to get, it'll be a great day for uh, for Jets fans and the organization to uh, open up that building again and get people into Bell MTS Place to watch the club. Oh, yeah, yeah. I hear you, Huss, definitely. Sorry, I'm just getting Tim uh, set up here. Excellent, excellent. Okay, you know, while we get Tim Campbell ready, I will mention to you, man, I was talking to the uh, Royal Sports guys last night. We're cooking up a couple fun things with the Royal guys, but I did see the new NFL draft hats. Uh, Of course, round one is tomorrow. My old buddy, Dave Rue, Pemby Dave, was rocking his beloved Rams version of the lid. I may have to pick up a Chiefs one, um, but if you do want to get them, they're nice this year. Sometimes they 
are not very good. These ones are awesome. You can pick up all 32 teams available right now at Royal Sports. And in addition, while you're there, check out soccer, baseball, hockey, everything to do outside, including new bike stock coming in on a weekly basis despite the worldwide shortage and e-bikes all at the back of the store. Uh, When it comes to sports, there is nowhere better than Royal Sports 650 Rally DK and the Superstore 750 Pembina Highway. And uh, we got to give a shout-out to Nick and Nikki DQs. We do have those great two-for-five treat nights after 8 p.m. at any of their four locations. Regular listeners know them well, but it's DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. Two-for-five regular cones, dip cones, and small Sundays after 8 p.m. at any of the four Nick and Nikki DQs. And if you got a little celebration coming up, even though you can't have a big gathering, you might not have a ton of friends around, but you can get a DQ cake. Uh, and you can hit them up on Instagram. They've merged all four accounts into one at DQ Manitoba. And they'll even help you with that order via social media. All right. Well, I'm really looking forward to this. This next guest is a great longtime friend of the program. And I will tell you, for those of that, is, that have been around following what we've been doing on the radio here in Winnipeg leading up until now, a very special guest because he is, in fact, the first guest that ever joined us back on the first ever show before it was even called Hustler and Lawless. It was the Saturday sports page, and this individual was kind enough to join us from Augusta at the Masters. It's Tim Campbell, longtime free press writer and now with NHL.com and joins us now. Tim, so great to have you on the program. How are you? I'm good, Huss. It's uh, very good to see you. Well, I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, we're having a lot of fun. It's a new format. Um, you know, we're sort of have, uh, we got the run of the place now, uh, running it ourselves. And the reaction's been amazing. And we were really looking forward to having you on. Kind of an interesting day to have you on. Of course, um, for folks that, you know, aren't following Tim, follow him, by the way, at Tim NHL, covering the North Division, the Western Canadian teams, especially Winnipeg, Calgary, and Edmonton. And a perfect day to get you on today over another matchup between the Oilers and the Winnipeg Jets. Tim, before we talk about the season series between these clubs and where we're at, let's focus in on Monday. You've watched a lot of both of these clubs, but especially the Winnipeg Jets. What the heck happened to the home club on Monday night? What did you think? Yeah, I, I don't know, Hus. Like they have not been they have not been themselves since they got done with their crazy road schedule. And I, I believe the last game was was in Toronto. And that would that'd be one of their better outings of the year. Um, and me, I just thought, wow, you know, they've, they've survived that very well, that 17 road games and 22 stretch. And I mean, that was the, that was the stretch of schedule. I, I put a big red circle around it on my schedule page and thought, well, if they can come out of that still in a playoff spot, they'll probably be in really good shape. So, um, I, I don't know, like as a observer, as a fan, I just maybe let my guard down or, you know, let my worry go away, I guess, a little bit. Might be the best way to say it. Um, and, you know, the flat game then against the Oilers when they came right back, you could write that one off. But that's just kind of continued now for four games here. So um, things have gone a little awry. They've, you know, it's it's a bit confounding because the toughest part of their assignment, they, you know, I would give them pretty much straight A's. And now what should be easier or more comfortable or more relaxed, they've really struggled at home. So, um, you know, the, the two things that have come to mind in watching these games uh, recently here at Bell MTS is 
um, you know, they don't look as fast anymore. And why is that? My opinion is like their passing has been terrible. So why is their passing terrible? Well, maybe they're mentally fried a little bit, um, fatigued, weary. Um, I'm not <clears throat> not sure of that, but they just don't look as fast. And I think a lot of that has to do with execution. You know, and it's funny, and a big topic over the last couple of days around, you know, the Winnipeg Jets has been about shift lengths and, and you know, keeping it fresh. Um, and, of course, a lot of that, I think, goes back to a pretty interesting move by Coach Paul Maurice on Saturday night to benchmark Shifley for 17 minutes in the second period of an important game on Hockey Night in Canada. We all know, I mean, there's only so many cards coaches have to play with star players like that. Were you surprised at the timing of that? and um, uh, Or was it maybe a long time coming, Tim? No, I don't know about a long time coming. I mean, it, it, you know, if you really want to get into the recriminations, I, I, really, I really think that's been one of Mark's tendencies over his whole career. Um, you know, so they've, they've worked together on, you know, shortening shift lengths. But, uh, you know, when you just look at the hard numbers, um, I think the power play kind of skews that sometimes. You don't get a real a real good or honest read in some games. I mean, if the Jets have five or six power plays in a game, like Mark Schiff's are going to be longer there. Oftentimes it's because they have extended pressure. Um, so you got to be really careful when you, you just want to go to the numbers. I mean, it, it, to the extreme, I mean, you can look at those guys in Edmonton, uh, you know, McDavid and – and Leon Dreisaitl, I mean, they play basically, basically Edmonton only has one power play, and those guys play the whole thing. So if Edmonton gets four or five power plays in a night, I mean, that's automatic minutes for Connor McDavid and Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Leon Dreisaitl, and their shift lengths, to, uh, the averages will be all skewed because of that. So, um, you know, but back to back to Mark, like, you know, they didn't like what they saw, the coaching staff in that particular instance. So, they just decided, you're right, it's one of the very few tools the coach has in his pocket anymore. And I, I, my own opinion is he could have really made things a lot more uh, volcanic if he had just sat him down for the rest of the game. But he picked a, period, a, a, a stretch of time, mostly through the second period, and then, um, I don't know if he relented, but, you know, message sent, and now, now Mark, it's up to you again. Get back out there. And let's see what you can do. And, um, you know, I, I thought it was better the other night. Um, but that that's just a small, to me, it's just a small symptom of the things that are going on with their game. I mean, it's more of the decision-making and, you know, the, the odd things they were doing with the puck last night. Kyle Connor sends it in the middle. Uh, you know, Derek Forbert made an ill-advised play. I mean, all of them, Connor McDavid's just feasting off those things. So, I don't think the shift lengths and those other symptoms are the main problem. It's it's the awareness, um, the quickness, uh, and the ability to make decisions quickly to put the puck or to make the play in the right place. I mean, these are all things that if you have to s- you stand there on the ice or you're moving around, if you have to think about them more than the tiniest fraction of a second, I mean, you're probably in a bad place, right? The, the reaction, the instinct the things that they've been practicing and rehearsing, those are the things that need to be reinforced. And I think you'll see better decisions. And that's sort of the same thing as better puck management. Those will be the the determining factors, I think, in the game tonight. 
Tim, it, it was funny yesterday breaking down, you know, the the misery of Monday night and hearing from all sorts of fans in the chat. I mean, I think at some point we had yeah. half of the moose dressing for tonight's game for uh, the Winnipeg oh, no Jets doubt. because of how no many doubt. guys that were going to yeah. be sat down. Um, it is interesting because Maurice has been changing the lineup frequently. You've got a couple guys injured right now. There's been the talk about the rotation, trying to find the right mix on the blue line. Um so far, it looks like it's going to be the exact same lineup put together the same way. Are you surprised that Maurice is coming back and trying to go right back at it with uh, with the same group that was out there? Is this basically an opportunity for all those guys for a little bit of redemption? Yeah, there's that. Um, you know, I, like I don't know what – I really don't know what the other realistic options are. I mean, they have a couple of injuries now, so um, that limits uh, limits some of the things they're able to do. And, um, like, you know, changing the lines around and that, I, you know, I don't really, I don't think the players get all that wound up about it. And not certainly not as much as the fans or, you know, some of the folks that cover the team. I mean, you know, there, there are days where it's kind of quiet in terms of news or trends. And so the lineup, you know, all, almost always becomes the focus. But for me, you know, the lines change every second week. Anyway, even when they're going well, the coach wants to see an, another combination. He, you know, in the Jets' case, he wants to see what Dubois can do with Wheeler. He wants to see what he can do with with uh, Stastny. I mean, there are all these little experimentations going on. And my own opinion is far too much gets read into what the line combinations are. I think in the end, you basically, if you step back or take two steps back, and look at the things they do. You'll, you'll find all through the lineup there, it's, it goes by pairs. Who, who are the good players together? And, you know, that almost always comes down to Lowry and Cobb. It's usually Shifley and Connor. Um, you know, he's trying to figure out maybe who the best match for Dubois is. Um, you know, it's Morrissey and usually P. Yonk. I mean, we can go through it over the history. I mean, this year it's probably... Uh, it's also probably Thompson and Lewis. I think those guys have have graded well above average for you know the, the first bunch of games this season. So you find your pairs and then you build around that. That's that's almost what every team does. There are always changes, and um, I guess when when a team is losing, you you, you feel the, the need and the urge to switch something up. But you know, I really do think they they'll have been harping on this for two days in their video, no doubt. Better decisions, better decisions, and why did we make bad decisions? They'll be examining that. They'll probably quiz the players, and they'll be showing the video about, you know, you could have done this or you could have done this, but you did this. And the players themselves, they know what they've done wrong. They they know where their poor choices have been, and they'll get back out there in the morning, skate today, rehearse a few things. And in the game tonight, I mean, you have to read and react to situations, and they'll try to do a better job with the decisions. To me, that's what it all comes down to. It's not... Shifley shifts are too long or this defense pair is not taking care of its business or the goalie is blowing it. It's to me, it's all about decisions and you know what you can take away from the other team by your good decisions and the things you can exploit that they do that aren't right. I mean, those that decides every game. So I, I just think better decisions will be the key to everything going better tonight, if it will. Tim, obviously there was much consternation around here after Monday's game, but big picture, this is now five in a row that Edmonds has beat Winnipeg, which is not a good sign going into a likely best of seven series. Um, 
Why have the Oilers been so successful against the Winnipeg Jets in your mind? And starting tonight, what do they need to do better? Other than the things that we just discussed, the very simple basics of the game, um, to uh, get one up on uh, Dave Tippett's squad. Well, th- there's two answers to the question. W- one is, like, do a better job of, like, staying above the puck. Like, you hear coaches talking about that all the time, especially when McDavid and Dreisaitl are you know, pushing up the ice. I mean, you, you have to, sometimes you might have to sacrifice a bit of offense. So, I mean, that awareness to, to limit those guys, you're never going to stop them from getting chances. But um, a bit of sacrifice to limit or put yourself in good good positions. I mean, you can't just stop on the ice, but, you know, maybe a, a little more caution when those guys are involved. Uh, I, I think I heard Andrew Kopp saying the other day, you know, maybe a little more bumping and getting in, McDavid's way just to deter his path sometimes. I mean, you can from the press box, you can see him winding up a lot of times. He circles back and tries to get the puck coming up the ice. And, you know, I, I don't know what goes through the players' minds when they're on the ice, but, you know, it's probably something like, I think it was from the outdoor game, Alex Petrangelo, the outdoor game in, uh, in Lake Tahoe. He saw Nathan McKinnon coming up the ice. I just love that YouTube clip or that live clip. He sees McKinnon picking up the puck like he's basically in front of his own goalie, but he knows he's coming up the ice, and they have him mic'd, and he just says, oh, boy, because he knows what's coming. And <laughs> McKinnon actually scored on the play. It's a, it's, to me, it's a classic NHL moment. So there's that with McDavid. And then the other thing is, like, I don't know, everybody was asking about this today, five in a row, the Oilers beating the Jets. But if you're the Jets and you've been listening if you're watching the Jets and you've been listening, like they don't see it th- that way. Yes, everyone's going to throw it in their face if it becomes a playoff series. Oh, Edmonton beat you all these games. But if you go back and look at the, you know, the events or the circumstances, like the two games the Jets lost in Edmonton during that crazy road schedule in March uh, were both outstanding one-goal games. Um, and, you know, could have gone either way on both sides. And McDavid was a difference for sure. Um, so there's two, and then the the, the three nothing game that was here, the first game back after Winnipeg returned from, you know, a lengthy lengthy stay in the road. Like to me, I just put, I take that one into my garage and dump it right in the trash bin. I mean, to me, it doesn't mean anything. They're mentally fried and worn out. That that game isn't going to teach you much other than reinforce what I just said earlier. Good decisions will lead to good results. There probably weren't a lot of good decisions that night either. So. Is it a trend against Edmonton? Well, I suppose they, you know, they have good players and they've certainly got a goalie who's been playing really well this season, well above average. And, uh, you know, but how do you, how do you combat that? Well, you know, if you sit and worry about them all the time, I don't, not sure you're going to get very far They're They're quite focused on their own game, the things they need to do, like to do, and the things that they're good at. I mean, that's where the coach, you can tell what he says, especially this morning what they're drilling down on, what they're good at, uh, what they've had success doing. Those are the things they're going to worry about. And, you know, beating Edmonton in the future, that will be a byproduct of getting back to being, you know, being the better team that they are, that they know they can be. So me, I don't, I don't get the sense they're really worried about Edmonton. Yeah. They, they're asked to talk about it. Um, you know, and if they lose seven out of nine or whatever the number is going to be, you know, it, it'll be a number you'll hear until the playoff series is over whichever way it goes, but I don't get the sense they're all that worried about it. They're, they're more worried about the little flaws and, and improvements that, you know, they can deal with in their own game. 
You know, Tim, uh, one of the other things about Monday's game that, you know, you really, really felt it um, was the absence of Nikolai Ehlers. And, you know, we've talked about Ehlers before. I mean, the, the player that he's blossomed into and just how important he is. But holy smokes. I mean, you want to talk about simple things and the basics. Um, it was like pulling teeth trying to just get established in the Oilers zone. And you, you realize, you know, there were times when the Jets had been struggling earlier this year where they'd literally get the puck on 27 stick. He'd skate around, he'd bring it in, he would calm things down a little bit and get it to where they need to be. Um, I, I mean, I knew that they would miss Ehlers, but um, it just seemed to be so apparent. And obviously, they are, I believe the quote was confident and hopeful he'll be back for the playoffs. Um, but in his absence, I think we saw another way of just how important he's been to the Winnipeg Jets this year. Well, I would agree with you. Uh, you know, if you were going to, if you're going to pick two players that they were missing that would have impact, I mean, I, I think Connor Halbach would be one. Um, but, you know, this particular combination of Adam Lowry and Nick Ehlers being out at the same time, it does change the way the Jets play. I completely agree with you because, I mean, the speed that Ehlers has, I mean, you've seen it in every, against every opponent this year when he gets the puck and his, gets his feet moving. I mean, he really does have a little bit of, I, I would call it the McDavid effect on an opponent. He gets moving. You see defensemen backing up. You see forwards scrambling to find maybe if they know they're not going to reach him, they're scrambling to find the closest open guy that they can, you know, that they can mark or check or block a pass to. Um, and defensemen are backing up, and I'm sure goalies' eyes are darting from left to right to left to right to see. Oh, okay, here he comes. Um, he might come right at me, but what are his options like? He has the he has the ability to make people on the ice react to him in a in a very dramatic way, and you know he pushes people back and he creates space. And you see a lot of scrambling when he starts to move on the ice. So that's missing now, and they're going to have to find a way to make up for that. And the other the other element to you know what he can do is, you know, when the opponents try to counterattack, if they come back, if the Jets come back with Lowry. You know, now there there's a it's a pretty substantial equation to try to get through or around. He's a, a big guy who can move. He's incredibly smart, and uh, you know he doesn't shy away from anything. So, um, you know, those two elements, you know, missing they they are certainly um, challenged and they are struggling to find a way to deal with those things. And you know, once again, those are those are the little things you should be watching for tonight. Who? Who will generate some speed in Ehlers' absence? And who will be maybe a bit of a dog on a bone in terms of checking and defense and good positioning in, in Lowry's absence? Those are things you should watch tonight to see if you see any candidates that are doing well in those areas because those are things the Jets definitely need right now. Uh, Tim, uh, you know, without, <laughs> without question, the Jet Blue Line has been one of the biggest topics all season long. And even now, you know, with the... You know, the, the, the lack of a big addition at the deadline um, and, you know, a depth player like Jordy uh, Ben, you know, the coach said that, you know, he was going to take a look at Billy Hainala. Logan Stanley had been playing quite a boat. Ben would get in the lineup as well. Um, how do you see the opening night row? Of those three, who do you think gets the, the tab for game one of the playoffs? Hmm. Wow. What a really, really tough question. But I guess I would say right now it's, I, I would, if I had to guess, I would probably say it's Jordy Ben. And that's just because he's an older experienced player um, who knows all about the the things that go on in a playoff 
the nerves, the, the pressure, the little decisions, the places you can and can't put the puck. Uh, look, I, I think the world of Vili Heinla and Logan Stanley has improved so much in the course of the last 12 to 18 months, and I think those guys have bright futures ahead of them. But I, I just think the Jets, you know, would lean right now towards Jordy Ben. Now that could change over the last nine games here. I, I think whenever Stanley will get a chance or two yet, um, and maybe even Billy, uh to come back in, they will be watching those guys with a microscope to see how they're dealing with some of the pressure situations, and they'll be wondering within themselves. They probably won't even talk about it, but they'll be wondering. Okay, what does that tell me? How how is this player going to deal with some pressure when it's playoff? When every hit is finished, and you know the, there's extreme extreme pressure from maybe more than one place. And where is he going to put the puck? How will you react to that? They'll be dissecting those little moments of the game mm-hmm. in those you know for those rookies, you know very importantly, and you know maybe they'll come up with a different decision. But right now. I just think the way this whole season has kind of trended with the Jets um, and how much they've liked, and you can see how much that Thompson and Lewis have added to this roster and the stability of this roster for a long stretch. I just think they lean towards the experience now that it does, it does help them and it does mean something. Tim, we've spent a lot of time talking mostly Jets, Jets, Oilers. The other team of the three that you cover very closely is the Calgary Flames. I just have to ask you, what the heck happened to Calgary this season? <laughs> If I knew that, I I probably would have a way more important job, Hustler. Um, (laughs) You know, it's confounding to me. I've been a a proponent that the Flames are, you know, a contending team for two or three years here now. And it's, I thought this year was the, there was a strong reason for optimism. I mean, just alone adding Jacob Markstrom and, and Chris Tanev on the back end to calm things down and stabilize them. Um, you know, I, I think I would have lost my fiver if I'd have had to put them down on playoff playoff teams because I certainly had Calgary in, and it sure doesn't look to me like Calgary's going to be in. I, I, you know, they have some games to go yet, um, so th- there is still a chance. Um, but I, I, you know, they they haven't scored and they haven't been consistent, and they, um, you know, we talk about the Jets having three or four games here where they've been distracted and unlike themselves like to me that's almost Calgary's whole season they they'll show you a game or a period of you know unbelievable brilliance and they've got some really really high-end talent on their team you know Elias Lindholm and Johnny Gaudreau and Sean Monaghan these guys you know these guys are wonderful players high skill high high IQ but you know they just haven't been able to put any kind of consistency together this season and I you know, and it's killed them basically. They, you know, I, I don't know if they, I, I couldn't tell you if they've gotten too high on themselves or too satisfied, but I'm sure for, uh, you know, it's cost Jeff Ward his job basically, and even for Daryl Sutter who's come in there and, and Brad Treliving in the GM's chair, I, I'm sure they're frustrated beyond belief. Um, they probably can't even imagine they would have been in this spot with the players they have. So um, I, I think you'll see some. Very, very deep soul searching about that roster over the off season that's ahead of us, and you know I would think chances are more likely than not that some some you know massive changes are are underway, not some tinkering around the edges because you I don't see how you could just return 
with the same group and say, well, Daryl's had a, a chance to coach them a little longer and really expect a whole lot to be better. I don't think Daryl's changed that much, to be honest with you. Just a different voice and a different maybe determination about the defensive end of things. But, um, you know, I, I don't think a lot has changed in the way Calgary has played. They tried to be more responsible, but um, their consistency has lacked um, badly. And, I, and maybe the worst of all the Central <laughs> Division teams, I, I would suspect. No, no, I think you're right there. I mean, the ups and downs of Calgary's season, and really, if you want to look at what happened to them, look at their season series against the Ottawa Senators while everyone oh. else was getting wins. They were losing, and that really is the difference. But let, just one more on Calgary. Um, you know, we know Daryl Sutter's situation. He signed a three-year deal. He's back. He's evaluating for next year. Brad Treleving, um, you know, has now changed another coach and made another move. You, you only have so many of those. Who do you think is more impact when it comes to making those moves and deciding who's going out and who's coming in? Who's going to be more influential? Is it the GM or is it Daryl Sutter? Well, I I, um, I think that's a, going to be a 50-50 proposition in the end because here and here's why I think that. Like they've they've gone along, uh, you know, they've had uh, you know different coaches here now in the last three three or four seasons, and you know I think the evidence is all right there before us. I mean. Okay, so they didn't, you know, they, you know, they didn't like Bob Hartley, so they dismissed him. And then Bill Peters got into a bad situation, and he left. And you know, they brought Jeff Ward in, one of the good people of the world, and never mind hockey, he's just one of the good people of the world. And it worked for a while. And you know, Jeff is such a straight guy and a good, good human being. But even that wasn't good enough for, for the Flames in terms of their consistency. And now they brought Daryl in. So they have the evidence of how the team looked under different voices and different guys. And now Daryl's going to be there, like you mentioned. His contract is for uh, for more time after this season. So do you really think Brad Treliving is going to go and try to find players or make changes that won't fit under Daryl's you know, guidance? Like Daryl knows, knows how he wants his team to play. He's pretty pretty set on that. I think he's pretty wise in his ways. He's He's got a couple Stanley Cup rings to prove he knows what he's doing. Um, you know, his message is a little, you know, gruff at times, I suppose. He's, you know, he's not a great media performer. I don't, but I don't think he really even cares much about that. Um, but in the communication with those players, uh, the message will be pretty straight. So I, I don't think Brad, <clears throat> Brad for living is going to go and try to find players that won't fit under Daryl's system. Daryl will be very clear about what works and what doesn't. I think Brad will have a pretty clear picture of that as well and know what to do. I, I think the combination of it gives them pretty clear direction for the future, and we'll see what those moves may turn out to be. But I think there will be some, and it will definitely be a collaboration because otherwise they're, they're, you know, they, might, they might as well both walk out the door if they're going to do different things. Tim, it's been such a pleasure having you back on the program. We still always think back to joining us from Augusta 15 years ago when we got all this going, and there's been lots of changes, but one thing that doesn't, we always love talking to you on this program. Thanks so much for the time, and let's do this again soon. Let's do it again soon. I mean, ever since that day where you know I was at Augusta National, I do remember sitting there talking to you guys for a while before I went in for the day, and uh, it's always been fun, and I know it will be in the future. Good luck with everything.
Hey, thanks so much, Tim. Great stuff. There's Tim Campbell covering the Jets, Flames, Oilers for NHL.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at TimNHL. I'm going to get to a little bit of golf, but mostly some football talk, and then Eric Comrie of the Moose just set the team's all-time wins record on the weekend. Will join us coming up at the top of the hour. Of course, um, we're brought to you by Not Autocorp. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? They're down at Waverly and McGilvery. And uh, not only do they have incredible selection of Teslas and all sorts of vehicles for you and your family, they'll also help you consign your vehicle right now if you're looking to move, upgrade, or get out of a lease. Find out more, Not Autocorp, Waverly, and McGilvery, or online at not.ca. And it's another game night, which means you can call your shot with Boston Pizza, pick up any pizza flights, orders, or Molson product, and you get a chance to call your shot. You can win instant Boston Pizza gift cards. You can win a custom-made outdoor rink for next winter for the backyard or even a VIP NHL experience. Take in, delivery, or dine-in. All local Boston pizzas. Call your shot with pizza flights and a Molson product. All right, we got the NFL draft starting tomorrow. We got the Valspar teeing off. Who better to talk about it with than our pal Reed Fowler of DraftKings? Let's bring Reed in right now. What's going on, dude? Great to talk to you again. Husser, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, this is a busy, busy time for someone like myself, uh, covers football and golf, but very exciting. There's, you know, the rumor mill is at an all-time high. Everyone is is the vibrations of of chatter about who's going where, why that person shouldn't go there, and and maybe some sleepers that uh, that we were not thinking about right now in terms of the NFL draft is uh, it's pretty exciting. And the Valspar, Valspar is a great tournament. It's a great course. It's challenging. So it's an exciting week. You know, it, it is. And I think if we get into football, it could take us a, a long way. So just <laughs> before, we always do uh, some golf picks and follow golf for our friends at Breezy Bend Country Club, breezybend.ca, getting that waiting list for next year. Um, before we talk NFL draft, uh, who are you mm-hmm. on this week for the Valspar? Our, uh, our boy Corey Connors has had some nice um, results as of late. And uh He's kind of a tasty 22 to 1 number. Uh, who made uh, the Reed Fowler card this week? Yeah, on DraftKings Sportsbook, Court Connors is all the way up at plus 1600. Uh, so that's that's pretty high up. That's pretty <laughs> high up there. Uh, I don't know. Look, Connors has been playing great for the last six months. It's not just like the last, you know, six rounds or even six tournaments. This guy's been playing great for half a year and he's been getting better every single year. So that's a testament to him. But that's a little too short for my liking for uh, for Corey Connors. I think he's a great player. Um, I could talk a lot a lot about him uh, just because of how well he ball strikes. But it was Tyrell Hatton, but he withdrew uh, having contracted COVID nineteen, so he's out. Sunjay M is starting and is is going to get those Tyrell Hatton shares uh, that I had initially on him. And I'm just going to go uh, to to Sunjay. We're on a Florida course. It's Bermuda. It's difficult. That's what we want from Sunjay. The irons are coming back. We saw that come last week. So give me Sunjay there at 25 to 1, plus 2,500 on the DK Sportsbook. And there's guys deeper down. If you take a look at the last five winners here, Hustler, like it, it's Adam Hadwin, another Canadian. There you go. Uh, plus, uh, he was at, I think, 125 to 1 when he won. So plus 12,500 here in the States on how we read the odds. And he was really the outlier, right? Minus 14 at a tough course. He played fantastic, and he was playing great that entire year. I think he's the outlier. If I had to go deep, there's guys that I like. Taylor Gooch is at plus 8,000. Sam Burns, I believe, is at plus 6,600. So 80 to 1, 66 to 1. 
Those are some guys, maybe take the top five, top 10 markets on those guys. But I think this win is coming from the guys up at the top. And I think Sanjay is right there. Uh, I love it. I'm always on Sanjay. So uh, that makes me feel good going into the week. Um, but our yeah. focus for the next few days before we get to Sunday is going to be on Cleveland, Ohio and the NFL draft. Um you know what? I'll, I'll get you to, to fill us in on maybe some of the you know, the unique offerings of people that can bet on yep. the draft in a minute. But just first off, I mean, we've heard all about the quarterbacks. We assume it's going to be Trevor Lawrence going to the Jags, Zach Wilson, number two to the Jets. Talk to me about Kyle Shanahan's decision at number <laughs> three. Is he really going with Mac Jones? And if they did, did they need to trade all that draft capital to get up to three to get him? <laughs> I think that's the that's the logic that everyone's trying to wrap their head around, right? Lo- logically, no, right? <laughs> just no. Uh, you already have someone. Look, Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm not going to say Mac Jones is going to have the same career trajectory as Jimmy Garoppolo, but the delta between the two in terms of ceiling and upside, in my mind, like aren't isn't that far away? So why would you why would you do that? Um, what I worry about, so that, so here's how I'm playing this out, and then I'll get to the conspiracy theory, which I really enjoy. Uh, Trey Lance, if you have Trey Lance there, um, and I just heard this from the guys over at Fantasy Pros, which they made a really good point, is if you if you do get Trey Lance and you don't start him either right away or fairly soon, that's going to be two years for a young quarterback not playing any competitive football. That is a lot of time away from football. Um, and so that's something to consider about Trey Lance. Even though the upside is high, I think he goes to a team that maybe a Denver or, or someone that's going to have him there and start relatively soon. I don't think maybe that's the case with San Francisco. So if you're going to go quarterback, I honestly think it's going to be, which is weird to say, either Mac Jones or Justin Fields. Uh, I think Justin Fields is a guy that you don't necessarily need to start right away. Uh, but because Jimmy Garoppolo has durability issues, Fields is a guy to me that would fit that type of style. And look, Shanahan has gone away from that style of quarterback in his career, in his coaching career. But I think the talent is is, is insurmountable with Justin Fields and his his ability to win at a high level um, and the size and the speed that he has and how accurate of a passer he is. So I got Justin Fields there going at number three. Wouldn't be surprised, though, that all of this, Hosser, all of this was for everyone to stay away from Kyle Pitts. And them say, you know what? We wanted to throw the smoke screen at everybody and saying, we're going to choose Mac Jones. We're going to choose Mac Jones. So no one thinks about Kyle Pitts. And we saw George Kittle come out on Twitter and say, hey, coach, I'd be, I'd be completely okay with you getting Kyle Pitts over. I mean, plus 2,000 right now in the DK Sportsbook for Kyle Pitts to go number three overall. Why not? <laughs> I love it. Reed Fowler's with us from DraftKings getting ready for round one of the NFL draft. Um, so the third overall pick is an interesting, uh, interesting bet. Yep. I guess another one is, and speaking of Kyle Pitts, is the first non-quarterback to be drafted. And um, it doesn't matter which mock you look at. Um, it's yeah. usually Kyle Pitts in that four hole, if not earlier, as you just mentioned. Yeah, and, and it's, it's going to change the whole, it's going to change the position itself entirely, right? Kyle Pitts being probably the best talent to come out of the draft from that position in a long time, right? At this high of a level, you talk about all the other guys, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, uh, Darren Waller, all of these tight ends have not gone or weren't considered a top five pick in their career, but they've become perennial all pros. Uh, pro even bowlers. first rounders. 
first rounders, exactly. And so if Kyle Pitts goes this high and then he performs, you're going to start to see now as we progress, tight ends are going to become a much more sought after position because think about it, right? It is a mismatch no matter how you slice it up. And Kyle Pitts is a wide receiver, right? He was like, what, the only the only player, I believe, in college history to, to, to have an award or to be nominated to be one of the finalists for the wide receiver, the best wide receiver in college football award as a tight end. So he's a guy that is going to completely break the mold. Doesn't matter if he goes four, fifth, or six. I don't think he gets to six, but even if he does, I don't think like he's going to be a game changer. Not even if he doesn't pan out. I think when you look at his upside, which I think he's going to pan out, it is unbelievable, and he's 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 going to be a mismatch no matter what. But yeah, first first non QB's got to be Kyle Pitts. What um what are some of the other interesting offerings that you're sort of considering for the draft? I mean, we've got first wide yeah. receiver drafted, the first defensive player to go. I mean, uh, where are some of the markets that you're sort of focusing in that people should be considering before uh, Roger Goodell hits the podium tomorrow night? Yeah, I I think the, I, I honestly think the quarterback one is most intriguing, right? Because that's what everyone is talking about. And when you're trying to bet the draft and you're trying to wager on the draft. You know, embrace the chaos, right? Embrace the rumor mill and go and, and zag when everyone is zigging. If you're hearing that Mac Jones is going to be the number three overall, but logically, like we're talking about, it, it doesn't really make sense. There is no reason, even though no one's going to jump ahead of San Francisco to, to, to get a quarterback, there is no reason for San Francisco to tell anybody what their plan is. Use that to your advantage and think, if that's the case, and we're seeing Mac Jones and Trey Lance be these guys who are getting, you know, Mac Jones minus 200 right now, Trey Lance plus 150 to be that third quarterback overall. Justin Fields is at plus 550. Even if you don't think that that's the case, I think that's still really good value because of what you're getting potentially from that. And like I mentioned, the third overall pick, if for whatever reason, right, we like this is every single year we, we see this, Hustler, that we did not expect something to happen, and that was the case. Embrace that type of chaos. I think that's that's great. I think... Getting guys like like the Patriots drafting a quarterback, jumping inside the top ten, which I think is 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 true, especially with the Teddy Bridgewater trade. I think that you're seeing Denver probably hedge their bet against not being able to get one of these top four quarterbacks because I do think that the the Patriots do swoop in at you know either six seven or wherever it is. Maybe Detroit gives up that pick and they go get Justin Fields if he's still there. That's what I'm trying to look at is to see how can I play against the what everyone else is saying. And bet it that way. Reed Fowler with us from DraftKings talking NFL and the NFL draft. Speaking of Bridgewater, I mean, we sort of mentioned that trade that just broke as we came onto the air. Um, yep. Man, Teddy Bridgewater for a sixth round pick does not seem a lot. Why is Carolina making that trade? And what's the plan going forward for Denver that has Drew Locke, now Teddy Bridgewater, and was rumored to be potentially taking a quarterback in the first round? Yeah, so but I guess they're they're sold on Sam Darnold right now, right? He's the he's the guy, um, and I think Super Bowl that's why, Sam, <laughs> Super Bowl Sam. Look, I, I I still think he's got a lot of tread in his tires, right? He was he didn't do much. He's and what have we seen? Every single time a player gets out of Adam Gase's system, let's call it that, uh, they perform, right? <laughs> they perform really well. Look at Tannehill uh, turned Tannehill, into an all pro, right? Devonte Parker, all of these guys, uh, so. I, I do think that there's still some uh, some upside with Sam Darnold. I do think Carolina then goes offensive line for sure uh, to protect that and to make sure that trade makes sense, right? It's not only about football. It's also about business. They want to make sure that that trade made sense business-wise. So they're going to protect their asset. 
But for Denver, I think this this says a couple of things that they're out on Drew Locke long term, obviously, right? They they don't they're not going to re-sign him to a long term contract. Number two, I I do think that they're not no one is budging um, on their top eight picks, right? No one's no one's giving up their top eight picks already. Everyone is staying put and not listening to Denver's calls. Um, and then this is why you're kind of even though it's the sixth round, this is why you're seeing Denver give up draft equity and, and draft status. Um, excuse me, uh, yeah, draft equity. Um, and that, that means that in my mind that the Patriots, even though a lot of people are saying, oh, this is not what Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick does. This isn't Bill Belichick. Like we ever know what Bill Belichick, and that's the problem I have, especially in dra- during draft times. Everyone thinks they know what all of these coaches and all of these teams are thinking. We don't have the slightest clue on what they're thinking, especially Bill Belichick. Look at what he did in the free agent market where he spent, spent all of this money I'm projecting he's he's not thinking he's going to be in the top 10 or top 15 uh, picks in the first round ever again. So why not go all in, get inside the top 10 to get your quarterback for the future for the next 15 years and not have to worry about that? That's what that kind of tells me. And that Teddy, Teddy is just a good insurance policy. We've seen that time and time again. So this is a smart move by Denver. Um, assuming that Jimmy Garoppolo is, in fact, alive on Sunday, um, <laughs> will he be on the Niners roster? Um, and if anyone's wondering what that means, check out Kyle Shanahan's very bizarre quote earlier this week asking if he could guarantee whether his QB is a Niner on Sunday. Yeah, right. I, I think he, that that to me said uh, he it, like he played it in his mind and it sounded better upstairs. That's it, a, that it, was a death out. threat, Reed. That was a death threat. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if anyone's going to be alive. What are you kidding me? And George Kittle says, I'll make sure I'll, you know, I tell you I'm a live coach before Sunday. Um, like that, that. Look, and Shanahan's also said, I'm fine winning with C.J. Beathard and Nick Mullins. Well, I would also argue, Shanahan, that you were forced your hand with Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard. They weren't your first choice choice because they were second and third string quarterbacks, right? So uh, I do think Jimmy Garoppolo is a niner. I think uh, I think Shanahan is not someone who's impulsive when it comes to that type of position. Um, I do think there's still a business side to it. And you talk about either one of these guys, Fields, even Wilson, if he drops. Fields, Wilson, or Lance, these guys are maybe one to two years. I think Fields is the most ready right now but Wilson and 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 Lance I think do it would it would benefit them immensely if they were able to sit even if it was for six or seven games to watch how it happens so I do think Garoppolo stays on on the team I don't think he's a patriot I don't think Bill Belichick and I you know I, I just don't see him uh trying to get old like you know something that was traded away and now it's back and it's you know it's 75 percent of what it was that doesn't make business sense to me so uh, I do think Jimmy Garoppolo stays a Niner. Hey, just on uh, on Fields for a second, um, yep. and we'll maybe wrap it up with this. Uh, you know, he was essentially thought of as the number two prospect for most of the season. Right. Had one of the gutsiest performances I can remember in the college football playoff. Why in the world are we hearing that he could go anywhere from three? Like at some point, he's not even in the mix for the number two pick overall anymore. And I mean, we see some people suggesting he could be like a late first rounder. Why has, why has he fallen and where is all this difference of opinion coming from Reed? I think, I think these teams are playing 40 chess. I, I think it's, I think it's beautiful when it comes to strategy. This is, this is the part I love, right? Is like, why is the, a guy, a, from Ohio State, a quarterback from Ohio State. And look, how many good quarterbacks have come out of that college recently? Not much. 
right? So there's that. We can pick apart the game he had against Indiana. We can pick apart the game he had against Northwestern. And because of that, because he's at such a high level, the uh, the knocks against him are, I think, much greater because he's, he's uh, you know, it's like we have to pick everything apart, right? And this is the ugly part of what we do is that these kids are on the eve of, of their, the best day of their lives. And we're like, well, this guy had an interception when he was playing in the playground in third grade, so he can't be a good quarterback in the NFL. Um, <laughs> I think he's fantastic. You know, at some point, like, I, I thought he was better than Trevor Lawrence. And that's that's what you're missing. I, I see a lot of Russell Wilson in him. I see a lot of Sean Watson in terms of the upside that he potentially has as, as a football player. I see a lot of that from a guy like Fields playing at a big-time university against big-time competition any team that gets him, I think, is getting a steal after the second position. Um, and and that's I think he's one of the best quarterbacks in this draft and could have been even better than Trevor Lawrence. But Trevor Lawrence is, I guess, the next Andrew Luck, right? <laughs> hey, Reed, you know what? You know, we always love having you on the program here at Winnipeg Sports Talk. What a perfect day to do it. we got the Valspar team off tomorrow and the NFL draft coming up. I know it's going to be a very busy week for the DraftKings crew. Um, thanks so much for doing this. Keep up the great work, and uh, let's do it again soon. All right, bud. Take care. Good stuff. There is Reed Fowler of DraftKings. Follow him on Twitter if you haven't already, at Reed T. Fowler. And again, every time we're talking golf here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, it's brought to you by our friends at Breezy Bend Country Club. Find out more about Winnipeg's premier private golf course experience at breezybend.ca. All right. You know what? We uh, we will get to the Jays a little bit later on. Sort of a big night for uh, Vladimir Guerrero as well. But really looking forward to this next chat because after a very busy few days, a couple back-to-back games for the Manitoba Moose, now on the taxi squad of the Winnipeg Jets, but he is officially the all-time winningest goaltender in Manitoba Moose history. It's, of course, Eric Comrie who joins us now on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Eric Congratulations on the uh, the big milestone on the weekend, and uh, thanks for doing this. It's great to chat again. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited. Uh, I, I, listen, I know you probably just want to get into the NFL draft talk and maybe get to some <laughs> fantasy football, but I mean, I have to ask you first off about uh, the day job, of course, and that day job not being a great fantasy commissioner and manager. I'm talking about being an NHL goaltender. Tell us about the win, and um, now that you've had a couple days for it to sink in, what it means to you to be uh, number one all time for goaltender wins here for the Moose. Uh, that was it's pretty special to me. I mean, I was. Uh... First of all, I'm just happy to get down and get some games played because it's been a while since I uh, played a couple games there. I was excited to get down there and uh, to become one of the most winning goalie in the franchise means a lot to me. I mean, it's an organization that's been very special to myself and they've been uh, unbelievable to me. They've treated my family since day one I've been here and to be um, uh, to do something like that with them is uh, pretty special for me. You know, I did say on Monday when we were uh, sort of recognizing the accomplishment said, you know, the one thing that really was missing from the win on the weekend, it was a great team performance. You got the goose egg. I mean, all of that. Um, But the fact that it was done at the Iceplex, not at Bell MTS Place, not without a full uh, full crowd, um, you know, is unfortunate, but it is a sign of the times. Uh, I mean, you've had a crazy last year plus in addition to, you know, a number of stops in the NHL coming back here to Winnipeg. Um, what's the last year and 14 months been like for you, both as a professional hockey player, but also a guy that's been spending quite a bit of time traveling around and probably getting used to quarantine rules. <laughs> yes. Um, it's been, it's been a crazy year, but it's been a crazy year for everyone. I'm just, I'm, 
I, I, it's much as it's been crazy for me. It's been a lot harder for a lot of people. I'm still very fortunate enough to be uh, able to play hockey, a game that I love to play, and spend a lot of time with my friends at the ice rink where a lot of people can't see their friends and family right now at the time. So as much as it's hard to be moving around a lot and all this COVID, with all COVID and everything, I'm still very fortunate enough to be able to play the game I love and be around a lot of the guys I know. But, I mean, <laughs> I've definitely gotten used to the quarantine rules. I've done it a couple times. I think I've had, I don't know, it's – Three 14-day quarantines now, so yeah. <laughs> you're an, you're an expert. You mean, how did did you get better at quor- did you get better at quarantining through uh, through the experience? Like where once you were into week three or four, it was just, oh, this isn't that hard. I guess I just got to stay home. Or did it get harder as it went along because of well, I mean you're a guy that likes to do stuff and uh, you're trapped in a hotel room, or whatever, for two weeks at a time. So yeah, I'm a guy that likes to do a lot of things and. Uh, it, it, you know, the first first quarantine wasn't too bad. I had a good system in place. But it's when I was in New Jersey for 14 days and then went straight to another 14-day quarantine here. That was tough. I felt that was really hard for me just because of the um, – uh, it's a little long, 28 straight days pretty much of quarantine. So by the end of it, you're kind of sick and tired of the home workouts. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Are you, uh, have you burnt out the screen from all these Zoom calls? Zoom calls are getting uh, – I'm kind of over the Zoom calls. So I want to start seeing people face-to-face. <laughs> it, it's time to start seeing people face-to-face hopefully soon. I mean, I, hopefully that everything opens up very soon and we get back to being normal. But, uh, I mean, uh, it's a good alternative, but it's still get, getting time to start seeing people face-to-face, right? Yeah, agreed 100%. <laughs> Eric Comrie's with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, you know, you have had a great impact within the Winnipeg Jets organization along with the Manitoba Moose organization. And, you know, I had that opportunity to bounce around a little bit in the NHL, but to come back. Um, how are you feeling right now about your place here within this organization, the opportunity provided to you, as well as what's to come for both the AHL and the NHL club heading into uh, the next few weeks? Uh, for sure. I mean, I'm. Uh, you don't really know what the future's going to hold. Um, I'm just really excited to be part of the team again back in the taxi squad. I got a lot of good friends here, um, pretty, pretty much my family, like, I mean, I treat a lot of these guys like family. I know them so so long, and they've been together so long. I mean, they're all fantastic guys. Um, so it's just for myself, it's just trying to see where that's going to go. Hopefully the team gets a lot of wins, and we go for a long run, and I'm here till the uh, middle of July, and we get to win the Stanley Cup. That'd be, that's, that's the main goal right now. Give us, um, give us a bit of an idea what Taxi Squad's life like. Um, what's the schedule? How does it differ? I mean, is it essentially, you know, just like being on the team in a situation where, you know, you wouldn't be dressed, um, or is there, uh, is there any other part of it that maybe fans wouldn't know? Um, it's kind of a weird scenario cause you're, you're, we were paid to be hockey players, but we're really just hockey practicers. So it's kind of a, <laughs> it's a little bit of a weird scenario where like, you're like, uh, don't get me wrong. It's still a lot of fun to go to the rink every single day, but like we play hockey because we want to play games. That's, and that's why we had so much fun. A lot of the guys actually got to go down and play some games for the Moose. That's why it's so much fun going down and playing those games. Cause as much as we love the game, we love playing it more than anything in the world. And the reason why we practice is to play the game. And it's, it's not the most fun thing in the world. Always just having to practice, but they do a good job. I mean, the coaches run really good skates. They, a lot of times we get a little bit of a bag skate in and practice and, uh, the Wolfman, Jake Wolf, our team trainer, puts us through a little bit of a workout. Uh, usually not super easy, so it's we're staying in shape at least. Hey, let me <laughs> ask you about the uh, about the time with the uh, with the moose. 
um, in that, you know, you come back and, you know, you mentioned just how exciting it is just to be able to play games in this strange season. And there's, you know, a number of goaltenders that have sort of been in your particular situation, even here in Winnipeg earlier this year when you were bouncing around 14-day quarantines around North America. Um, the, the team this year, and the Moose is, like the entire season for the Moose has been bizarre. I mean, trying to figure out a way to make a Canadian division work in the American Hockey League took a bit of time. I mean, you had a homestand that was about a month and a half with two like 11 and 12-day breaks in the middle of it. I mean, just as a player from the schedule perspective, how weird has this season been for the guys in that Moose dressing room? For sure, it's been hard. I mean, you, but once again, you got to give a lot of credit to the league and Mark Chipman and the organization to doing everything they can to get the guys playing. I know they think it's, they know how important playing hockey is. I mean, a lot of these guys depend on playing the American League for their life and their job, and that's that's our job at the end of the day. And for Mark Chipman, the organization built up. I mean, it's not it's not a cheap investment to play this year in the league. I mean, they're paying a lot of money for testing and all this stuff, so they did a really good job to make sure everyone has the means to play and. I think we're all just really excited to be being able to play. I mean, there's a lot of uncertain times right now. If guys weren't sure if we were going to play, if we we're going to get paid, or what was going to happen, and um, I just I think with even with all the weird scheduling stuff, or just everyone in that room is just so happy to be able to be playing the game they love and um, be able to support their families. Eric Conry with this here um, with the taxi squad of the Winnipeg Jets, currently um, the all-time winningest goaltender for the Manitoba Moose. How would you describe the relationship between all of the goalies in the organization? Hellebuck, Brassois, yourself, Birdman. Um, it, it, are, are you guys close at all? Or do you, do, you, do you work together more early in training camp and then not as much contact throughout the season? How does all that work? So, yeah, actually, it's kind of strange. Helly, myself, and LB... Uh, Lauren, uh, Brassois, all have the same uh, trainers. We all work out a lot together in the summer. We've gone to Kelowna a lot, so we've all kind of share the same stuff, and we talk a lot. We we work out a lot during the year. Helly's one of my best buddies. Um, I hang out with him a ton. LB and I have gotten really close over the years. Um, and I've played with Birdie for a lot, but I haven't really seen much of Birdie this year just because our cro- paths have never really crossed. And he's he's one of my good buddies, too. I know him really well. He's a really good guy, and we've gotten along really well. He's... He's a funny guy. We get we get we get a lot of good laughs together. Yeah, he's given a lot of good laughs to fans watching some of the things that he does on the ice too. I will say, as far as a goalie makeup, and we always say oh, goalies are a little bit different, some more than others. But Birdie's Birdman Birdman's playing style. I mean, he does things, frankly, that you expect from skaters, not goalies, as much. I mean, uh, but it sounds like he's a pretty interesting character as well. Oh, for sure, Birdie's a very interesting character. Um, He's a great guy, and he's a he's a talented, talented, talented goalie. Like he's got a lot of talent, and stuff. The stuff he does, I just watch, and I'm just a fan as well. Like I'm a big fan of it. And I like when I'm watching him play, I'm like, "Well, that's awesome. That's so cool." I honestly wish I could do some of those things, and I'm really impressed with him every single time I see him play. And I really wish I would be able to see him play more this year. Just our paths have never really crossed, and I've actually really haven't seen him that much, especially with even with the moose. The moose. Locker room spaced out crazy right now. They got half the guys getting dressed in one locker room, half the guys getting dressed in another locker room. So it's it's kind of weird. You, I went down there. I just like I haven't seen guys in two weeks. All of a sudden we're playing. I don't even know half the guys' names. It's like oh man, it's so Introduce weird. Introduce yourselves when you get out on the ice to begin practice. Essentially, because you're in different it's, rooms. Honestly, half the time. though, it's 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 very different. Like I'm, I'm such a close teammate usually to guys, and I always want to be so close and know like their like a lot of their backstory and personal history. And so that's just because. 
you, you want to treat it like it's like, like it's a family, like it's your everyone knows each other and you built a solid group and you have a good foundation. But this year, it's so hard to do that without being able to hang out away from the rink. It's and even at the rink, everything's so spaced out. You're only allowed certain people in rooms at a certain time, so it's really hard to build that team dynamic. And I mean, even when I go down there, I, I still they have such a good group of guys. They do bring it together, but it's just it's not the same as it's been in years past. Where you can go to team dinners and have team like team functions together and just really get to know each other as a group. And that's, that's, I mean, that's, that really helps the team come together. Well, you know what, on that note, um, and again, I mean, I'm sure it pales in comparison to 14 day quarantines where you are literally locked down, but <laughs> there isn't, you mentioned, I mean, you can't go out with the guys after practice. You can't go out for a night, all that. What, what are the days like for you right now? I mean, give us the example, like on a, just a normal practice day when the team is not playing, um, you know what's the day like for you? you get down to the rink do your thing and leave and and then what so yeah yeah i mean for myself usually well actually my girlfriend and my dog just went back to california so that's kind of sad for me because usually when i'd come home i practice and i'd take my dog he's a he's a one-year-old german shepherd so he's got a lot of nice. energy so uh <laughs> he takes up the rest of my day when i see as i come home so i'm pretty much rink come home do an hour of obedience training with him take him for a five to ten mile walk or a run or something like that so my energy goes towards him but now with him gone it's i'm twirling my thumbs right now trying to find something to do I'm watching a lot of baseball and i play a little bit of playstation that's about it i don't i'm not a huge gamer so i gotta maybe start gaming a little more well hey the last time we uh, had you on back on the old station we were talking about games because it was around a year ago now and i think we were finding out what the heck everyone's doing and everything shut down we had talked about a few video games, including I think at the time we were kind of getting into the golf club 2019. Yeah, yeah. Have you uh, now? Have you have you got your hands on PGA 2K21? And uh, how's the uh, how are things going on the uh, on the the virtual links? Yeah, good. I'm I'm on the tour right now. I'm I've got one win, but I'm I'm a little bit so. When push comes to shove, I get to around the 16th, 17th hole. I get a little quick in my transition. I start to yank him a little bit left. So I got to work on that to slow the breathing down, I think. <laughs> well, maybe after the season, we'll uh, hook it up with an online matchup and uh, yes. see how we're doing head-to-head. I mean, it's such a fun game to play with buddies. Oh, I, for sure. Th- that game, honestly, and I've told this before, more back on the old station, but the first few months when everything got crazy last year, we were cr- locked down. I was literally alone. That game got me through uh, no, the, for the sure. first incarnation and then obviously being able to do it. Anything else? Are you a Madden guy? Do you play NHL? Uh, there's uh, I, a new baseball game out. MLB I play a lot show. of baseball. I play a lot of MLB baseball. I love baseball. I play a lot of MLB The Show. Big Madden guy. But like, as much as I play those games, I love being outside. Like, I, I'm so glad that the golf courses are still open. I can go to the driving range every once in a while. Uh, I know it's... Usually it's taboo during a hockey season, but during this year it's a little bit less taboo because it's it's helps you keep a little bit of your sanity a little bit too because you're outside you can go to your by yourself and be as socially distanced as you possibly can on the driving range by yourself and just kind of get away from everything. And I think that's it's more important this year than ever to just get away and just keep your mind filled because if you just sit around in your house all day, you can start thinking, thinking, thinking. You got to try and get out your own head a little bit. So I think this year I've been. I've been lucky enough to be able to go to the driving range every once in a while and just uh, work on my golf game actually outside. <laughs> well, nice. good. You know, and I can see how that would be taboo in a normal season. It's like golf's for the off season. You yes. can wait to do that. But I mean, realistically, in the climate we're in right now, it's great. I think both for the physical health as well as the mental 100%, health. Like it's, just to have things to do. It's it's very like it's hundred percent like it's the one year the one year where it's like okay, you guys can go outside and just 
be people. Like you have to understand, you have to be a human being at the end of the day too, and understand you have to get away from the game. And I think that's one of the very few things you can do because it's deemed more safe because you're outside and um, you're able to socially distance. Even if you're just like, I don't even golf that much. I just go to the range, hit balls and just kind of like 20, 30 minutes just to enjoy the great weather we're having right now too. Cause it's, it's been pretty nice outside lately. Yeah. Well, we had a great March. That's for sure. March oh, seemed fantastic. like about April or May. We had a bit of a setback earlier in the month, but uh, I think everyone's ready for it to get nice and spend <laughs> some time outside because yeah. of course we're not supposed to be getting together inside. Eric Comrie's with us. Hey, one on baseball. Um, I mean, you're originally from Canada, but you spent most of your years in California. Are you a Dodger guy? Are you a Padre guy? Are you a Jays guy? Uh, who's the team? And did you see Vladdy's bat trick last night with the three bombs? I didn't see the bat trick, but I saw the highlights of the bombs. They were nice. Um, <laughs> but I'm a, I'm a Cubs guy. I'm a big Cubs guy. I like the Cubs a lot. But I also like the Angels. I'm a big Angels fan, too. Uh, and Jays. I, got, I, got, I do not like the Dodgers. I I have more teams I don't like. I do not like the Dodgers. I don't like the Yankees, if you, if you know what I mean. I, I definitely think, I know what you mean. I can, yeah, I can get on board with that. I'm more, I'm more like cheer against those teams than anything else. I cheer for the Jays, the Cubs, and the um, Angels, but I just like to cheer against the Dodgers and the Yankees more than anything I else. Can, I can tell you the Angels are getting more fans by the day every time the unicorn Shohei Otani oh, gets out there, whether he's pitching, whether he's batting. I mean, in all of sports, he might the mo- be the most must-see guy right now. It's unbelievable. His hundred. They asked him, what's, what's more impressive, him hitting a baseball 400 feet or him throwing 101 miles an hour like it's unbelievable like what's how about what's, doing it in the same inning yeah what's what, what's more impressive though like i, I don't understand <laughs> like i think like, it's hard to describe i don't know like joe madden couldn't he couldn't describe it he didn't know it was better <laughs> um eric a couple people you know we've been on with us before talk about your love of fantasy football and the national football a couple people asking in the chat do you have is there one nfl team that claims eric Comrie's allegiance oh you know what? That's the. You know what? Someone asked me that today. I'm a Rams fan. I'm also a KC fan because I like Mahomes. That's a bit of a. I know people don't like that because I jumped on the board as soon as they became a good team. But I've always been a fan of Mahomes. I like the Rams because I live in LA. But I'm more just. A, I, I like. I watch every single game pretty much. I just like watching players. I like watching players, and that's that's more what I'd like to do. I like to watch the players and whoever I'm. Like my buddies and I will do like a little, we'll do like a little pool and we'll pick teams to win each week. So I cheer for those teams that I choose. <laughs> now, have you, have you, uh, it has, has there been an Eric Comrie NFL mock draft released? And uh, how close will we oh. be looking at the, uh, the fantasy possibilities of the guys that get called in the first round tomorrow night? I'm definitely looking at where the receivers and the running backs go tomorrow, <laughs> Thursday <laughs> night. Sorry. I'm really looking forward to seeing where those running backs. And receivers go. I hope. I don't know if the running backs will go Thursday night, but we'll see. Uh, Eric, I got to tell you, I mean, you're such a pleasure to talk to. I mean, there's a reason why you've become such a big fan favorite here in Manitoba. And uh, part of it is what you've done on the ice, but a big part of it is what you've done off the ice. And uh, certainly, uh, yeah, you, there's never anyone with a bad thing to say about you. And uh, the people here in the chat have just absolutely loved the visit. So uh, it's always great catching up, talking about hockey and a bunch of other things. We wish you and the family nothing but the best going forward. Good luck with the squad tonight and the rest of this season. And, uh, We'll definitely look forward to having you back to do the same thing. Talk about hockey and a lot of non-hockey topics because we always love doing it with you. I'd love to. I'd love to talk about the NFL draft effort too. I want to, I'm excited to watch it. <laughs> hey, congratulations again on the milestone on the weekend. 
Thank you so much for having me. You have a great day. Thank you, guys. Great stuff. There he is, Eric Comrie, all-time winningest Manitoba Moose goaltender with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, We will get to the cool bet lines in a minute, and I will mention to you again, if you're uh, looking for a great little getaway in Manitoba over the course of the next couple months, consider Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, world-class fly-in fishing lodge, where you can literally be on the water within two hours from the city of Winnipeg, Normally packed with American visitors during the month of June. Obviously, that's not happening right now, which means the most popular month of the year has some very rare openings. So find out more, AkinsLake.com or on Twitter at AkinsLake. Let's get Michael Remus back in here. Remo, been sort of a whirlwind over the course of the last hour plus with Tim Campbell popping in. Some great stuff from Reed Fowler, who I love, always love having on the show. And Eric Comrie, who... Um, I mean, listen, we've been lucky enough to have, uh, you know, so many guests, both journalists, media people, athletes on. You'd be hard pressed to find a nicer, a nicer guy just to talk to on or off the air than Eric Comrie. And it was great that we got a chance to have him on today, even on a game day, discuss a, a big milestone for him in this city with this organization. Yeah, I said this before. Uh, we've had him in studio in the past and he was always so nice to talk with. Uh, I just remember when you brought up fantasy football and he was all fired up. He's like <laughs> talking about how you should spit out your drink there. He was like talking about how much he's going through his lineups and getting sad. I think he was asking us questions and stuff, but he seems to be pretty well versed on uh, on the NFL. And he's speaking like a true fantasy guy. He's like, I don't really have, you know, I like the Rams because I'm from L.A., but I just like who I bet it on or who I have in yeah. fantasy. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's kind of like me. To maybe I'll latch on to um, you know players who you have an attachment to because you have them in fantasy, or the Vikings you know when they're doing well, not when they're doing doing bad, just <laughs> but because uh, you know, they're close. But uh, you know mainly so yeah whoever I got in fantasy whoever I'm picking that week that's that's who I like. Oh, man. Well, anyways, it was a real pleasure. Um, you know, congratulations again to Eric. Thanks to Dan Fink and the gang for helping us set that up today. I mean, uh, always love to have him on. And I'll tell you what, and I promise this to you. Um, you know, even next year, if Eric signs in another organization and is somewhere else, he will always have a spot at the Winnipeg Sports Talk table. Yeah. And uh, we'll always love to have him on. And um, he is, I think he's one of the founding fathers, if I'm not mistaken, Remo, of a uh, a, a pretty high-intensity fantasy league amongst the Winnipeg Jets organization. And he talked about that. That's really fun when you get him on in the middle of the NFL Mm -hmm. season. You know, he'll talk a little bit about whatever's happening with the hockey team. And then the minute you just put the carrot out to talk about week six matchups or what happened in last week's fantasy matchups, it's just a a runaway train at that point. Yeah, I mean, look, these guys talk about hockey all the time. They have they they're human people. They got other interests. So you bring up something like fantasy football, maybe it perks the ears up a little. Um, hey, thanks to everyone that's hung around. A little bit of a longer show today. Uh, still a great crowd in here. If you haven't already, please hit that thumbs up mm-hmm. button, the uh, the like button. We could use that. And I'm not sure if there are anybody here, people in with us live on YouTube or watching afterward that haven't subscribed yet please hit that red subscribe button and make sure that you're with us yeah. on a daily basis. We had a big, big boost yesterday on sub numbers, didn't we, Reem? Yeah, we had a record day. I thought maybe it was because I called everyone out and said, hey, I know that 35% of the people <laughs> here aren't subscribed. What are you guys doing? Hit that subscribe button. But then I was looking at the numbers, and there was an alert from YouTube that said, 
they had like some problems with their analytics, so maybe we got boosted a ton yesterday. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'd like to think that it's because we're such great YouTubers, we can talk people into hitting that subscribe we're- button. But it may have also been because uh, YouTube had some issues with their analytics and, and put all their you know subscribes in the last week or so yesterday. It uh, could be one, it could be the other, but either way, we're very hit close to hitting uh, 4,000 subs in just under two months, so I think that's a pretty cool accomplishment. Well, it, it really is, and we can't thank everybody enough for the support, whether it's just been here, popping in on the program, hitting us in the chat, dropping a like, dropping yeah. a sub, or spreading the word as we continue to grow every day. And, um, man, it's uh, it, it's a lot of fun, and especially at a time like this with so much going on on the ice, as well as intrigue off the ice with things like the NHL draft, NFL draft. And, Remus, I mean, we had guests, and we were obviously going to start off with the Jets and go from there. But as I touched on with um, Eric Comrie, we'd be remiss if we did not mention a monster day from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. yesterday for the Toronto Blue Jays. Not one, not two, but three bombs. Is that called the bat trick? Is that what it was? Because it looked like that last I night. I think so. Uh, I mean, good for him. He's hitting left, right, center, guys on base, one, two, uh, seven RBIs. I love seeing the tweets from Vlad Guerrero Sr. Um, you know, I remember watching him. Uh, growing up, now I'm starting to feel real old. But I know I look at I look at the NFL draft. It's like every single player is the son of a former NFLer. So I guess I just got to learn to deal with it here. But uh, you know we've been hyping Guerrero. I remember his first game. It seems like he's uh, re- being able to reach that potential, and that's why we're so excited about uh, the Jays season this year. You know, Bo Bichette is is you know he's awesome. Um, George Springer, who they signed, seems to, I think he's talking later today. He hasn't hasn't played. He's got that quad. Issue so um, the Blue Jays were fired up about them. It's going to be an awesome summer uh, following along with them. I know it was only in April, but um, you know putting on quite the show. He's got that swing looking so smooth, the one-handed finish. Yeah, it's picturesque uh, that thing. Sadly, it's in Dunedin, not in front of a Blue Jays crowd. But hey, we're uh, we're dealing with it. We're going to get through this, and uh, soon enough, uh, Blue Jays will uh, will come home to the uh, Rick likes to call it the concrete convertible. Yes, yeah, yeah. The artist formerly known as Sky Dome in downtown yeah. Toronto. Um, hey, we've got a big, couple great shows coming up the next couple of days. I'll just plug for you. Um, Sean Reynolds, Rennie of Kenny and Rennie, is going to join us on Thursday. I usually like to have either Ken or Sean to talk Jets with us, as well as set up what they have going on on Friday morning on the Kenny and Rennie show. So we'll do that with Reynolds tomorrow from Sportsnet. And then we're also going to be talking to the you know, tomorrow is round one of the NFL draft, and I'm not sure that there's anybody that's more fired up than my maniac friend, Andy McNamara from Sportsnet. Andy, I think Andy's probably done about 50 mock drafts already, mm-hmm. and um, he's ready for Raj to get to the podium and start calling out the names. Um, and Remo, we'll also talk to Andy, and I, we're going to have to ask him about this, but he's involved or is involved in some sort of startup which combines fantasy football and nfts non-fungible tokens and you being a big top shot guy mm-hmm. and a fantasy guy i'm sure quite interested into whatever the potential of that format is i'm interested i want to get an nft championship belt for my fantasy league it's maybe it'll be cheaper than getting a real trophy <laughs> and easier to pass around so I'm, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. That's what we need. We need everything in NFT form. So I got all these, all these Top Shot moments. So I'm excited uh, for the future of that. But we'll talk with Andy. Me and Andy will compare our Top Shot collections. 
Oh, man, that's going to be fun. So Andy Mack coming on tomorrow along with Sean Reynolds. Yeah. And then what an amazing way to finish up the week on Friday. Uh, we are going to have the return of Hacksaw, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. Lee will have the latest coming out around one of the NFL draft. We have Kirk Contois from Assiniboia Downs to tee up the Kentucky Derby. And to talk both Jets and the World Under-18 tournament that started in fantastic fashion for Canada last night, the one and only Craig Button, Remo. Uh, man, we've had a great week so far with some amazing numbers, and I would imagine we'll keep this going right into the weekend with the lineups we have for uh, Thursday and Friday on WST. Yeah, Craig's in, uh, what, Frisco, Texas for the Under-18s. Uh, pretty cool. I'm excited to talk to him. Always great insight about the Jets. Uh, prospects for sure. Getting some insight on the U18s. Have you heard about this guy, Connor Bedard? Have you heard about him? <laughs> you think? You think? Um, yeah. I'll tell you what, and I'll be frank. I mean, I follow the ice and the Wheat Kings, see what they're up to. And this is such a weird season. They're playing in a bubble, 24 games in and out. But it was really through Rod Peterson. And Rod has been calling some of the Pats games. And, you know, they've done a great job with, you know, putting together some clips of some of the highlights. And it seemed like every single time Rod was doing a game, you know, he's tweeting out two goals, an incredible assist. And, I mean, this kid is 15 years old. I mean, he is an absolute phenom. Um, From all accounts, was the best player in the East Division bubble. And, of course, had to leave a little early because he's 15 years old playing on Canada's under-18 uh, team. It would be interesting as to how high he'd be drafted if he was in this year's draft, but got to wait a couple years for Connor Bedard to uh, uh, to uh, you know end up making the move to the National Hockey League, and that's going to be great for Western Hockey League fans for the next couple years, um, as well as a treat for Winnipeggers, assuming that the teams will be traveling and coming to playing road games as opposed to a bubble, um, you know, it should, be a, it should be a hot ticket when the Ice play the Regina Pats next year. We get a chance to see Connor Bedard. And, of course, the Ice had an amazing season as well, finishing up last night, finishing just short of the Brandon Wheat Kings, who took down the WHL title. All right. Um, hey, Reem, one other thing about Hockey Canada, as we mentioned, you know, we've got the under-18s. Gerard Gallant um, named today the head coach for the 2021 Worlds. And my reaction to that was, that's great. Wait a second. They're still playing that tournament? Um, Yeah, it's scheduled for May 21st to June 6th in Riga, Latvia. And while that is great, I'll be very interested to see how many NHLers, you know, after this crazy season, sign up for Canada and decide to go. But they've got some pretty legit names with Gallant and Roberto Luongo being involved in the club. Um, But my biggest takeaway is the under-18s are playing. We've got the men's worlds happening they better find a way to get the women back on the ice because it would be, frankly, a disgrace if we go two consecutive years without the Women's World Hockey Championships while we pretty much have seen the ability to put on most of the other men's events like is happening right now in Texas. I couldn't agree more. And I saw over the weekend, Hillary Knight, of uh, the U.S. team, had a very nice letter on her Twitter account. It is pretty ridiculous that um, you know they were not able to find a way it seems like, you know, they came out and blamed the province of Nova Scotia, who's now in a two-week lockdown. Why? Um, you know, they, I thought they could have moved it maybe to Texas or something, somewhere. It seems like now, they're like, okay, they're going to do it at the end of the summer. We'll wait and see. But very abrupt canceling of the women's, which yeah. is very and disappointing. Listen, and we have to, and listen, I'm not going to give 
the doctor, the, the health official in Nova Scotia flack for doing what they think that they need to do to protect their citizens. It's been pretty clear. Um, like everything happened in the big cities. We thought we were through it. Well, then everything happened here in a big way. But the Maritimes were still in pretty good shape. Well, that's changed. They've had record numbers this week. Um, they have done and put in a two-week full lockdown so it really is unfortunate timing. But the bottom line is that should not mean the full cancellation of the event. There has to be a way to figure out whether you move it to where they're doing the or under 18s, you take it to Europe, you take it somewhere else, but play the damn tournament. Give these women the opportunity to compete for a world championship. Um, it, it Listen, we can talk about the whole professional situation with, with the women's hockey and what has happened, what needs to happen moving forward, but... I mean, the Women's World Hockey Championships is the event of the year in women's hockey in any non-Olympic year. And anyone that was around here in 2007 saw what an amazing event that was here that we hosted in Manitoba. So, um, and, you know, having been involved in that so in- intensely, I mean, I-, I feel strongly about this event, um, why it is important for not only the players, but, I mean, the young women that are the growth side of hockey in Canada right now. It's young female players. They need to be able to see their stars play and compete for gold medals. Um, so I certainly hope that that will get rectified at some point soon. All right, Reem, let's take a look at our Odds, the daily lines today for Cool Bet Canada. And as we mentioned, the Edmonton Oilers, our favorites on the road today. Um, Hey, they've won five in a row. We all know what happened on Monday night. I can't say I'm surprised that the Oilers are favored. Minus 119 for the Oil Jets, just a touch above even money at plus 101. And Remo, maybe this is a good sign because as we've talked about all year long, when the Jets have been favored, it hasn't gone so well, but yeah. they've sure as heck won a lot of games and a lot of cash on cool bet for Jet fans with the amount of times they've won this year as an underdog. And uh, they're a legit underdog tonight, despite being on home ice. Yeah, you have to think they're going to win at some point. I was looking at, I always look at Dom's percentages from the athletic and <clears> what did he have here? He had the Jets at a 51, sorry, 49% chance to win, 51% for the Oilers. So basically a coin flip. So you might as well, uh, yeah, may as well take the plus money. Uh, someone wrote in the chat earlier, who's got the balls to uh, take the Jets in chat? I'm not sure. I mean, they're going to have to win eventually. I mean, they're going to have to win eventually. So, you know, maybe you take him. Hard to, you know, hard to want to after watching last game, but you know that's not the real Jets. That's not what we've seen from them. That was that was the bottom. So what do you do, Hus? You buy low. Maybe the odds aren't what – maybe they should be worse, you know, or you get better odds like plus, you know, a higher number. But uh, they're not – it's pretty close to a pick em, But uh, Yeah, I, the, I have a f- – you know, Just based on math, I think Jets are the play, but – can you pull the trigger and and you know your heart? There's a lot of shell shock Jets fans after yeah. Monday in the past week. They may have a little less action on Winnipeg tonight. Uh, but again, if you do want to bet the Jets plus 101 at CoolBet.com, Oilers minus 119. And how about this? I saw our buddy Chris Abbott tweet this out earlier today, Reem. Today, for the first time all season, the Ottawa Senators opened as money line favorites in a game. <laughs> Hosting the Vancouver Canucks, they opened up, I believe it was minus 111, and the Canucks were minus 106. I can tell you now that the Sens are no longer a money line favorite. It's a straight-up pick em, minus 109 on either side. Um, but I'll tell you what, I, I've been betting on the Sens 
I have been I've been so impressed with what DJ Smith's getting out of that young club and the fight that they're bringing every single night. No one knows that better than the Calgary Flames. We will see them again at the end of the season for the Winnipeg Jets, but never any easy outs. And, um, you know, I guess against a team like Vancouver that's been through so much with the travel, um, maybe people are realizing that Ottawa is winning a few hockey games and maybe people should get on board. But, um, you know, Canucks obviously playing still with a very, very incredibly slim hope of the playoffs. Um, They have to win this game if they want to keep those hopes alive. Um, but that won't matter to DJ Smith and the Ottawa Senators, and that's why that game is a straight-up pick right now. And then we got the Habs and Leafs going at it as well. Leafs minus 154, Habs plus 130 at home, coming off that road after a very important win Monday against the Calgary Flames, which um, in a lot of ways I think sort of extinguished Calgary's playoff hopes that had certainly risen after regulation wins against the Habs on Friday and Saturday night. Yeah, a couple notes. You talk about DJ Smith, uh, you know, what a job he's done. I think Travis Green, very highly touted when he was with the AHL uh, Canucks affiliate and doing a great job there. Doesn't have a contract for next year, and everyone in Vancouver is wondering, when, like, when is this guy going to get a new deal? Um, they're playing playing pretty well. And Ottawa, I mean, they got off to that slow start, but they've been awesome, I think, the last, uh, the last bit here. So uh, full credit to them, young team, and uh, I think they're going to, you know, the future is look, looking pretty bright. For them, Toronto, Jack Campbell starting in goal, soup as they call him, uh, Jake Allen from Montreal, and no Jonathan Drouin for the Habs. As he's taking a leave of absence from the team for the rest of the season, citing personal reasons and the team really not getting into it. So you know we're not going to ask any questions. Hopefully he can resolve the personal issues that he needs to, and uh, you know come out stronger from this. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, just a comment from Mitch here. Uh, it's been seven hundred and thirty-nine days since the last Women's Worlds. And it's been 700 days since the last Men's World, so Hillary Knight is off base. I didn't exactly hear what the quote was, but I'm sure she's saying, look what's happened. Yeah, I mean, everything was canceled last year. I think the point is that it looks like all the men's tournaments are going mm-hmm. on. And as of right now, the women's event is canceled. And they certainly need to rectify that at some point this summer, preferably sooner as opposed to later, considering I'm sure these women and these teams have been preparing to peak right now as opposed to starting a whole nother process for that heading into something that might happen a little bit later on back to the cool bet lines for a second ream game of the night buckle up and get ready for this one the colorado avalanche against the vegas golden knights vegas is a home favorite minus 143 abs plus 122 and i'll tell you what you tell me where and when these teams are playing how i can watch it and i will be there 10 out of 10 times I am, there is no second round series I am more excited about or the prospect of than Colorado and Vegas going at it in a best of seven uh, in about a month. Yeah, and last year, you know, Colorado, they were primed to go. Uh, they had some, you know, goalie injury issues, which resulted in Michael Hutchinson being the guy. They're kind of going through that again now. Philip Gruvauer, uh, he had the COVID and he's out, so they you know, traded for Devin Dubnik at the deadline, and his numbers this year, um, I know he's on San Jose, but 3-1-8 goals against, 8-9-8 save percentage, that is not starters numbers, and Colorado now, he's played three games, 3.04 and 900 save percentage, so those are those are below average, and Devin Dubnik is starting tonight, so I may have a couple Vegas Golden Knights uh, in my DraftKings lineup, but uh, you know two, what? two solid teams right there. That, hey, you got it. Yeah, I mean, we're we're pretty much projecting that's going to be, I mean, not quite the conference final, they're in the same division, but the division 
Yeah, listen, the Wild will have something to say about it, and that's why I think both of those teams want to finish first and avoid Minnesota in the first round because they'll be a pain in the ass to, to get out to get out of the playoffs. But uh, I think regardless of who finishes second, we expect them to advance. We expect them to play against the top team, and uh, that will be one hell of a series if hockey fans get it. Um, you know, speaking of starting goalies tonight, and, you know, we talked about this briefly with Tim earlier, but Winnipeg Jets 280 says, wish Brassois was playing tonight. Hell, he needs some rest. You surprised they're going back to Hellebuck? And again, this I am not putting anything of what happened on Monday on Connor Hellebuck. He was absolutely left out to dry. I did think that maybe they would, you know, give him that night off, go to Brassois, change it up a little bit before getting Helly back in the net on Friday. Um, but we know the competitor Hellebuck is. I'm sure he really wants to be back in and do what he can to help his team get back on track and get back in the win column. Yeah, I don't think, no, I never really thought they should go back to Brossois. Um I think they want to get Helly. They want to just strap their balls on, as they said, and they're going with the same lineup. They didn't have Sorry, what was that? Hit, hit, the, hit the sounder. One sec here. Dig deep, strap on your balls and go to work. Yeah, so they didn't Gotta have do stra- it. They weren't strapped in last game. They're going with the same lineup, and this time they're going to be strapped in. So I've, I didn't consider or think that they would go back with Brossois because traditionally they really haven't, and... Brossois looked great, and after every start except for the one against Calgary, I'm like, yeah, Brossois, he's a great goalie. He needs to he needs to play more, and they kind of just been going what they've been doing. So I didn't I didn't think so. Maybe he'll play Friday. Um, like how long did he like he had that Calgary game, and he was like two weeks in between games. So you know maybe he does need to get in more, but I didn't think that they were going. I know I wasn't like, oh, Brossois needs to start. Like no one thought. Hellbuck was the reason why they got lost. I'm, why they lost? Yeah, no, but I'm, yeah, I'm just I'm with you and with Jets 280. I mean, he said, "Hus, not blaming Helly. Just want to see Brassois play a couple games." I thought that it might be yeah. a good spot to do that, I, but I also think that they like him. They'd love to get a win tonight, get a good feeling back into this club and their last shot at the Oilers before they play for keeps. In all likelihood, coming up in a few weeks, it really is going to be an interesting game tonight. And I mean, right from the get go, I think we're going to see how the Winnipeg Jets as a team react to what happened on Monday and how committed they are to doing the things they need to do to compete with the Edmonton Oilers on even keel. Okay, this is the real reality TV storyline. You know, the Jets having such a great season. Everything is going so well. You hit a speed bump. You got a couple injuries. You got your loose, your worst losing streak of the season. Can they uh, break it tonight? That's that's your reality TV storyline. Who needs, uh, what, Bachelor when you got uh, the NHL, right? <laughs> oh, listen, the trials and tribulations of our local squad. Um, Who's getting that's... the rose on the Jets? <laughs> well, hopefully there'll be roses for everybody tonight and just a uh, a bouquet of great performances. We'll be talking about it tomorrow. Sean Reynolds yeah. of Kenny and Rennie, don't forget... They'll be on late night tonight after a legal curve with full post-game coverage on their YouTube channel. Make sure to check that out. Uh, we got Craig Button coming up on Friday, Andy Mack tomorrow on some more NFL draft. So it is going to be awesome. Uh, once again, have to yeah. thank and shout hey, out. Oh, before yeah. we go, we got to do, we got to pl- before we go, we got a couple minutes because um, we got to play the viral clip that everyone's talking about on the hockey <laughs> Twitter. I have a, thank you I have for a, reminding me. Thank you up. for reminding me. So this is what is this celebrating the uh, the new hockey deal the new partnership with the National Hockey League? Yeah, so they got the new TNT deal with the NHL. It's going to be on Turner. That's their B their B rights holder. So we were talking yesterday. Will we see? We're going to be seeing some guys who don't normally talk about hockey talk about hockey, and I think we want to see that. Maybe we'll bring some new eyeballs to the game. So NBA on TNT yesterday, uh, they brought Shaq, uh, Kenny, and the gang. They're all 
talking about it. So here, we got to bring this up. But I want to show you how this thing started out. And there it is, Hus. Um, this is unbelievable. This, this I certainly can. Uh, hopefully everyone in the chat can. Um, you've got Alex Ovechkin and Oilers captain. Wait, wait a second. 21. Andrew Ference? Not Connor McDavid? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and upon further review, the person who ever put this together, obviously not a big hockey guy, uh, they literally Googled Oilers captain, and that is one of the first few pictures that came up. I guess they thought that was the best picture, and they just went and used it, having no idea that he hasn't been the Oilers captain in years, and you just have to be leaving out the best player on the planet, Connor McDavid. Andrew Ferentz tweeted out after, um, uh, you know, I told my wife those Google ads would pay off, so I guess you got higher ranking <laughs> on Google. And honestly, I was thinking, us like, it's fun. Let me just take this down for a sec before we play the clip. It's actually funnier that they use that clip because now we're talking about it. We're not even talking about Shaq trying to name all the teams. So this was actually genius uh, social media work. I mean, it makes <laughs> them seem real, makes them seem human. And that's maybe that's the coverage that... TNT is going to bring. They like to have a good laugh. They like to have fun. <laughs> okay, well, let's get to Shaq because, um, I, the, listen, I don't know if you saw, just before we do this, the ESPN had their announcement and they brought Stephen A. Smith on to talk about his favorite things about hockey and he gave a top five. Number one, just finished, was the puck is black. It was so hilarious. Stephen A. is the best, but we know that Shaq's always good for some major comedy, um, even if he might not be, shall we say, hardcore into the NHL just yet. Shaq, how was your NHL knowledge? I don't have any. Can you name three NHL teams? New Jersey Devils, California Kings, LA Kings. Okay. Thank you. So, don't play. You can't get the whole state. L.A. Kings and the... Chicago... Not Bruins. Blackhawks. Nice. Very proud of Shaq. Shaq, how was your NHL knowledge? Great work, Shaq. Great work, Shaq. Funny how the Winnipeg Jets were just at the tip of the tongue. Thought he'd be, you know, maybe big fan of Hellebuck, Neil Pionk. You know, just we don't get enough exposure down there, Reem, I guess. But uh, if Shaq was, it was a good thing he wasn't, you know getting ready for this by watching Monday night's games. So we're still sort of unknown. They can emerge on Shaq's radar come playoff time. California Kings is a pretty sick name, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, not bad. I, it actually uh, fooled me for a That's second. my hat. That's my hat right here, okay. the California Calif- Kings. So I was I was into that. So, <laughs> yeah, let's let's do that more. And uh, we're talking in chat how Shaq, uh, known for a lot now for his off, you know, off, you know, icy hot back patch. Appearing in pretty much every Adam Sandler. He's selling. Movie now. He's now. He's now selling uh, Shaq office chairs for is big it? guys. Yeah, there's a Shaq brand of chair. Like, there's not much that Shaq isn't selling, and he does a great job doing it. So uh, keep it up. Lots of fun on that TNT. I want some of those guys to be involved in the hockey, especially Charles Barkley. And Barkley loves hockey. Yeah, yeah. They were showing uh, TSN actually on their Instagram had a clip of Barkley being on NBA broadcasts, being like. What's the score in the hockey game? And like, <laughs> I got, I'm betting on the Blackhawks or like him at hockey games. So uh, I'm, yeah, I think it's gonna be gonna be great. Nothing against NBC, you know, they were a great rights holder for for you know 15 years on, on Versus before, but uh, I think going with uh, with two is the better you know is the better option these days. Maybe having a singular rights holder, uh, I don't think is the best plan anymore. 
So, well, the other great thing for the NHL is that they doubled the the, the price. I mean, they were originally mm. getting three hundred mil, and I believe the total between the ESPN and the TNT packages is in around six twenty five or six fifty. So, um, you know, in, in a world where the revenue has been decimated at the gate, and the NHL still is a gate driven league, um, that extra three hundred three hundred twenty five million will be significant, um, especially. Who knows what they're going to be able to get out of this Canadian TV deal. Hard to imagine it would be more than the $5.2 billion that got dropped for the 12-year deal originally. I have a feeling we could be seeing something more like what they've done in the States here in Canada with a number of players when they do do a new deal at the completion of the Rogers contract. Yeah, I'm curious how that's going to go if it's going to be like, like who's going to be able to bid on it? It seems like there's only two companies. No, will some like Dark Horse come in? Um, so I'm not sure how... I'm kind of curious how that's going to Dazen, go. your favorite, your favorite outfit. No. DAZN. No. I don't <laughs> would you stop watching hockey if that happened? You um, would boycott? I haven't forgiven them for their <laughs> debacle of their first year of their NFL deal. So <laughs> Remus holds a grudge, everybody. I, watch I muted it. It's out. funny, actually. I muted uh, Dazen on Twitter. I remember so when I you did that. So I miss a lot. I don't know about all these big fights <laughs> that they have. Although we never talked about the Jake Paul... Floyd Mayweather exhibition fight. Uh, it's actually Logan Paul. Logan Paul, his brother. Um, so that's not the one that knocked out Nate Robinson? No. Is that the one? No. No, no. That was Jake, I believe. Oh, like what? Like the guy, the guy that just fought Ben Askren? Yeah, ben that's Askren not the guy who's is, is fighting Jake. Floyd? No, Logan is the guy that took the Stone Cold Stunner from Kevin, uh, Kevin Owens at WrestleMania. I can't get these guys. I barely know who one of them is. There's two. There, there is two. They're brothers. They're big YouTubers. And listen, as you become a great YouTuber, you're going to know some of the, uh, the the giants in the game. And unfortunately, I these sh- two guys are. Now, I the thought of it, Floyd, yeah. the thought of Floyd Mayweather knocking Logan Paul's head off is is quite enticing. Although, to me, this sounds more like. Um, Andre the Giant versus Antonio Inoki back in the day. Uh, essentially a staged exhibition that will be yes. as fixed as anything that we've Didn't seen. F- so Floyd Mayweather know. take on the Big Show once upon a time at a WrestleMania? He did. He did. And yeah. he, he beat him. He knocked him out, as a matter of fact, uh, despite a, a, a bit of a size difference between the Big Show and <laughs> Floyd Mayweather Jr. <laughs> oh, so. man. Great I'll, stuff. I'll tune, maybe I'll tune in. It's in you know they put these fights like in the summer when there's nothing going on, and then they hype, they do a good job of hyping them up. So, but I crazy don't know. thing is these guys made a ton of money, and Mayweather know Mayweather's all about the money, and uh, he knows he's going to get lots of it, even if this is a ridiculous they, exhibition against a YouTube star. If Snoop Dogg and Pete Davidson are on commentary again, and uh, they got Michael Buffer being the ring announcer, they make it seem like a real event. So. Uh, I'm more about all the other stuff than who like. There's never, there's never have been two higher broadcasters in television history than Pete Davidson and Snoop Dogg at that fight last week. I mean, it basically felt like you were going into some sort of a Cheech and Chong video that had a couple of familiar faces and then had a fight after uh, after they got finished having their fun. It was uh, it was quite the spectacle. Yeah, and don't forget Mario Lopez uh, being in there. He's a great addition, too. <laughs> no doubt. Um, gang, thanks for being with us. Great show today. Spread the word on Winnipeg Sports Talk. If you're here right now, hit that like button and make sure you hit the red subscribe button and hit the bell so you know when we're going live. The next time we're live is tomorrow, 1 o'clock. We will have Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet and Kenny and Rennie join us. Andy McNamara, the maniac, will be here 
with a lot of hot takes and a lot of energy before round one of the NFL draft. And of course, we'll break down tonight's game between the Winnipeg Jets and Edmonton Oilers. Big thanks to Tim Campbell, Reed Fowler, and Eric Comrie for joining us. Of course, Michael Remus back at the WST Control and our wonderful sponsors, Aikens Lake, Cool Bet Canada, Breezy Bend, Nick and Nikki DQ Group, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, and the OGs, not Autocorp, and Trevor not out at Waverly and McGilvery. Folks, enjoy the game tonight. Thanks again for your support. We'll see you tomorrow, 1 o'clock, Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, right here on YouTube and on your favorite podcast network. Have a great one. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com. 